Anyway, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 119 and 59 real quick. 119 and 59. It's a little short uh, scripture here in the Living Bible. And it says this. It says, I thought about the wrong direction in which I was headed, and I turned around and I came running back to you. Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord, and I would ask that you would speak a word to each and every one that's here, Lord, under the sound of my voice, Father, that, Lord, we don't have to be on the run, Father, that, Lord, there's nowhere we can run or hide, Father, from your plan and purpose for our lives. So, Father, I pray that you would just speak a word that would encourage your people, Father, that are running, Father, to turn around and come back to you, Father. And I come against every hindering spirit that would come against this word, and I would just ask for your anointing, your Holy Spirit, to have his way in the house today, Father, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. So my thought this morning, guys, is going the wrong way going the wrong way. And there was this, this guy named Wrong Way Roy. And he was a football player. His name was Roy Regis, or Regals. And uh, he played uh, for the University of California, uh, Cal Bears. And they were playing Georgia Tech in the 1929 Rose Bowl. And so uh, they're playing the game. He's out on the field. And one of the guys hits the Georgia Tech guy. He fumbles the ball. So Roy picks it up and he starts running. And the coach on the other team's like, hey, he, he's running in the opposite direction. He's like, let's see how far he'll go. So his, his, team, his team runs him down because he's running like force, you know, run force, run. He's just, he's going for it, man. He gets like 62 to like 65 yards down the, uh, the way before his team tackles him just short of the, the goal line. And so they go in the locker room at halftime and everybody's quiet except for Roy. He's kind of uh, crying because he knows he messed up. So the coach stands up and he says, uh, he goes, the team that was out on the, the field the first half is going to be out on the second half. And so Roy says, coach, I can't go out there. I've messed up. You know, I've ruined myself. How can I go out and face the crowd? And uh, the coach is like, Roy, get up and get back on the field. It's, it's not over yet. It's not over. And church, maybe you're like Roy today. Maybe, uh, maybe you've messed up, and you, you're, you're running in the opposite direction. Maybe God's put a call on your life. He's got something he wants you to do, and you're running in the opposite direction. And the enemy's like, look, they're running in the wrong direction. Let's see how far they'll go. And God's like saying, hey, hey, get back in the game. Get back in the game. Go in the right direction for me, praise the Lord. And see, the Bible's got a, a story here in the Old Testament about wrong way Jonah. See, Jonah was given a job to do. Instead of doing it, he took off and he went in the wrong direction. Guys, he went in the other direction. But he found out that it's impossible to run from God. He found out that God's a God of second chances. And he found out that God is in control of the animal kingdom, praise the Lord. That there's not a sparrow that falls from the sky that the Lord doesn't know about. And that the Lord can use animals to, to accomplish his will when he wants to, praise the Lord. He used a pre-selected donkey to, uh, to take Jesus to Jerusalem. He used another donkey to rebuke the prophet Balaam. And then he used some ravens, guys, to deliver uh, food to the prophet Elijah. And you see in the story of Jonah, story of Jonah here, he uses a, a great fish to uh, swallow the prophet. It was like sushi eating in reverse where, where the fish eats man. You know what I mean? And so, but there's only three verses, guys, that talk about the fish. One writer uh, says that man had been looking so long at the great fish, they forgot about the great story of God, the great God in the story, praise the Lord. And when you bring up the story of Jonah, a lot of times, especially unbelievers, they'll like roll their eyes at you. You know, it's another whale tale. And so there was this lady on an airplane, and she was reading her Bible, and there was this businessman sitting by her, and he kept kind of glancing over and seeing what she was reading. And so finally he just looked at her and he says, you don't really believe that, do you? 
And she's like, well, yeah, I do believe it. He's all, what about that fish story? And she's all, you mean Jonah? And she's like, he's like, yeah. She goes, well, yeah, I believe it. And he says, well, how do you know it's true? She says, well, I just, you know, I take it by faith, and when I get to heaven, I'll, I'll, I'll ask him about it. And he's all, but what if he's not there? She's all, well, if he's not there, then you can ask him. That was a hell joke. <laughs> See, guys, I, I don't have no problem with the miracles of the Bible because if you can believe creation, if you can believe the healing of the sick, the feeding of the 5,000, um, the raising of the dead, you know, Jesus' uh, resurrection, then you should have no problem re- uh, believing the Jonah story, praise God. See, the most important proof is Jesus, he validates that story himself. The Pharisees right here demanded a, a, a miracle, and Jesus says right here in Matthew 12, 29, or 39, he says, an evil, adulterous generation seeks after sign, but no sign will be given uh, to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the earth. So see, he just didn't just validate the story, but he also, guys, he, uh, he illustrated what was going to happen, his crucifixion and his resurrection, praise God. So the story of Jonah is about a man that God wants to use, and he takes off running in the wrong direction, guys. And it's also a story about God's long-suffering and his patience and willingness to forgive those who, who, who are running away from his will, praise God. And if they'll just stop and embrace and turn around and come back to him. And maybe you're running away today, guys. Maybe God's got something for you to do and you've taken off and you've ran in the wrong direction. And God's saying, stop going in the wrong direction. Come back to me. I got a plan and a purpose for your life. And if there's blessings involved in it. And see, guys, you can come to church and still be running from God. Because I came to church for years and sat in a and was a bench warmer, and God didn't call any of us to be a bench warmer, but he's got a plan and purpose, and I wasted years of my life running from God while I was sitting in a church seat. Because, see, God's got gifts and calls for all of us, but you have to embrace the call of God upon your life. Praise the Lord. See, it took longer for God to prepare his servant to go, go speak a word than it did for the whole city of Nineveh to repent. Things haven't changed much. It still takes longer for, for Christians, the guys, to, to want to get willing to share their faith than it does for sinners to come to the Lord. See, churches spend more time doing things on the inside to keep people than we do reaching out to try to get people, praise the Lord. Churches are full of event, you know, they're full of conferences and they're, they're full of, of uh, you know, concerts and all kinds of other things, but uh, we're short on evangelism, on reaching out to people, praise God. And see, Jesus didn't command us to have conferences or, or concerts, guys, but he, he did tell us to go into the world and preach the gospel. So see, we have to go into the world. So Jonah here, in Jonah 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of uh, 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 Amittai, right here, saying, that's a good word, Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city. And cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he, he paid the fare, and he went down into it uh, to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. See, God wanted something for him to do, and he began to run, run, from, uh, run from the Lord. And uh, Nineveh, guys, it was, a, it was a great city. It was huge. It was like uh, walls were like uh, 100 feet tall. Uh, you can uh, put three chariots on the top of the walls and you could race them down the tops. So I think it was set on like 1,800 uh, uh, acres. I think it was the size of maybe just the city of San Francisco itself, not the surrounding areas. It was like a million people. I think that was in that place. It was, it was a great city, but it was also a wicked city. And so God wanted him to go, go to the city and he wasn't willing to do it. So have you ever tried to run from the will of God? 
God's plan and purpose for your life, guys. Like wrong way, Roy, you thought you were going in the right direction, but you were actually going in the wrong direction. And see, they, later on, they asked Roy, they said, uh, if you had to do it all over again, would you do it again? He said, yeah. And they're all like, well, why? He goes, because I thought I was going in the right direction. See, he picked, up that, he picked up that ball, and he got all twisted around, and he went the wrong direction. Sometimes the enemy gets in our head, guys, and gets in our life. He gets us all twisted around, and we start running in the wrong direction instead of the direction that God has for our life. And see, maybe some of you guys today, you're running from God. You guys, you think you don't need God, that you know how to, to get there. You know the right directions to get there. Maybe you're running from that call of God on your life. And see, maybe some of you have been hurt. And so instead of running to God, you're running back out to the streets. You're running back out to your addictions. You're running back out to those bad relationships. Instead of turning around and running to God, the one that can change your life, praise the Lord. See, stop running to people in the world to get advice on what direction, on how to live your life. Run to God. He's the one that created you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He says, I know the plans and the purpose that I have for you. So why do you want to go to worldly, earthly people for direction for your life? Instead of running from God, run to God and get his plans for your life. Jonah, right here in the first verse, says, arise and go to Nineveh, that great, that great city. And cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. See, God was aware of their wickedness. See, Nineveh was a city of the Assyrians, and they were legendary guys for their, their cruelty. The Ninevites were well known for their savagery, for, for uh, you know, uh, plundering cities, and they, were, they would take and burn kids alive. They would put people into slavery. They would uh, skin people and put their skins on the wall. They would, uh, and then they would put them out in the sun and let the sun bake them and kill them. They made the Nazis look like second class. They were, they were a, a, a bad city. So you can kind of understand why Jonah was kind of reluctant to go there and want to, to preach a word. When God told him to get up and go, he got up and he went all right, but he went like almost 2,000 miles in the other direction. See, Nineveh was only about 500 miles, and so he got a, he got a ticket on a ship to go to some place to carry him like almost 2,000 miles away. He was really trying to run and get away from God and, and the call of God on his life as, as far as he can get, praise the Lord. And see, a lot of us are the same way. We get in that boat to Tarsha when God's got another direction for us to go into. God's saying, I want you to go to Nineveh, and we get in the boat and take off in the other direction. God's wanting to do something in your life, and you're like, uh-uh, I'm, I'm going this way. And see, there's only two roads, guys, in our Christian walk. One leads to Nineveh, and the other one leads to Tarshish. One road leads to the will of God, and the other road leads to disobedience to the will of God. So what road are you on today? Are you on a road to obedience for God or disobedience? So why didn't want, uh, Jonah want to go and preach? Well, number one, maybe he was afraid. Maybe he was afraid of, uh, of being, um, you know, not being received or uh, being unpopular or being laughed at and ridiculed. You know, there's a lot of people, guys, that have a fear of rejection. You know, they're, they're afraid of what their family or their friends are going to think that, maybe, you know, I become a Christian. You know, they think they're going to get laughed at or whatever, and, you know, they're going to be embarrassed by it or whatever. Some, some people have a fear of rejection of God. They have been too bad. I've done too many things. God won't accept me. You can't be bad enough that God can accept you back. And number two, maybe he thought he, uh, it would be too difficult, you know, that uh, it would inconvenience him. So he started running in the opposite direction, guys, because sometimes we run in the opposite direction because we don't want to put the work involved, because it's work to change your life. Yeah. 
It's work to change your habits and your lifestyles. And so maybe he didn't want to put the work in, praise the Lord. See, because it's not easy. But see, God didn't call us to, to, in, to a comfortable place sometimes because God doesn't want his people getting comfortable. Because when we get comfortable, guys, we get complacent and we get lazy. And then there's a whole other set of problems that go along with that, praise the Lord. I believe the real reason was because he knew that God was merciful. He knew that he was a merciful God. And you can see this in, a, in chapter 4. If we skip ahead here, it says, uh, Jonah says, So he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord... Was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. So much for the idea of the Old Testament God versus the New Testament God, that the Old Testament God was just fire and brimstone, and, and the New Testament God's, you know, full of grace and mercy. Here we see both the God of both Testaments, guys, gracious and merciful and abundant in loving kindness. And I think the fact really is Jonah really wanted to see him get what was coming from or to him. You know, they were, they were sworn enemies of, of Israel. And so I think he, he was really hoping they would get the judgment of God put on them. And maybe some of you in some way, guys, you're hoping that some of the people that's done you wrong, that's, that's treated you wrong, are, are going to get what's coming to them. They're going to get their, their justice, praise the Lord. They're going to get served up. You know, but guys, that's the wrong thinking. That's the wrong attitude to have because we all deserve, a, a, our, we all deserve judgment, I should say. But thank God for God's mercy and grace applied to our life. See, Jesus didn't say hate your enemies and, and hope judgment comes to them, guys. But he says here in Matthew 5 and uh, 43, he says, For you heard it said, you shall uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He goes, but I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Or to bless those guys. See, I've heard Christians say things like, you know, I hate that person. And I knew they really meant it because, you know, I knew the person and they, they, really, they really did really hate the person. And so maybe that's going to be a test of their salvation if they can forgive that person or not. And maybe here today some of you got some people in your life that you really got some hatred towards. But see, guys, is, is, is the real question would be, does God love them? And does God want to save them? And the answer would be yes. So see, guys, you got to get rid of the hatred in your heart. Jesus says here in Matthew 6, 14, you must forgive to be forgiven. So you can't walk around with hatred in your heart. It'd be like a cancer, guys. It will consume you. It will eat you up. It will devour you. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to take it to the cross and leave it there, guys. Don't let it have no place in your life. See, a lot of times I think it's not so much that people hate people. It's just a lot of times people honestly just don't care. They get wrapped up in their own lives. They're too busy. If it wasn't, they, you know, we'd be reaching out and trying to help more people. Even a lot of Christians, guys, are like, let someone else do it. You know, let someone else help them or serve them or let them take care of themselves. But Jesus tells us, guys, he tells us to go into the world. Here in uh, the Gospel of Mark's a variation of the Great Commission, Mark 6, 15 says, And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See, my life should be a Great Commission life. People should see the Great Commission in my life, the way I live my life with my friends and with my family, at my job, at work, guys. They should be seeing uh, Christ in my life, me reaching out, sharing the gospel to Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, to people in their lives, guys. Amen. See, because there's uh, two important things to know about the Great Commission. First of all, guys, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. He didn't say if you feel like it. He says go, go into the world and preach the gospel. See, we're to go into the world and preach the gospel. We're to go to the world. The world's not to come to us. We're to take the message outside, not wait for the world to come to church, praise the Lord. And second, guys, these words are for you and me as followers of Christ. They're to the believer. If you're a believer in Christ, then, then, then you're commanded to share your, 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 your witness, to share your testimony, the faith that you have, the word of God, praise the Lord. So are you doing your, your part to fulfill the Great Commission? 
Are you doing your part to fulfill the great commission and go into all the world, go into your world, your family, your neighborhood, your, your uh, community, guys, your city, to take the message of Jesus Christ? See, these words were Jesus Christ's last words. They were important just before he ascended. They were important to him. So they should be important to us, praise the Lord. Jesus tells everyone to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Because in one way, shape, or form, guys, we're all preachers. You might not do it from behind this pulpit. You might do it from a song. You might do it from serving. You might do it from helps. But we're all to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world, praise the Lord. So let me say something here that, um, that might be hard to take. See, if you're not seeking to fulfill the Great Commission, guys, and share your faith with others, it might be sin. You might be sinning. And how? It's because it's a sin of omission. And omission means, guys, it means failing to act. Failing to act. See, James 4 and 17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. See, if I go out in the mountains with some friends and go backpacking, and I see them going over to the cliff, El Capitan or, or Clouds Rest or something. I see them getting close to the edge, and I know there's loose rocks so that they can slip and fall to their death. I have a responsibility to tell my friends, hey, get away from the cliff, come back. You know, you're in danger. And if I'm up in another place in the mountains and I see them going on the wrong trail, going in the wrong direction, I have a responsibility to say, hey, come back, get over here. You're, you're in danger. And see, and I'm not going to care if they get mad at me. I'm not going to be afraid to tell them because I want to see them alive. I don't want to see them in danger. And see, it's the same thing when you're sharing your faith, guys, with the world. You can't worry about the world's going to get mad at you because the only difference between uh, witnessing to some friends and people that are unbelievers is the unbelievers is already dead. They just don't know it, spiritually speaking. And so you got to be, you, you are taking a lifeline to them. You're trying to encourage them, hey, stop going in the wrong direction. You need to go this way. You need to go this way. And see, God wants to use each and every one of you to preach the gospel, to minister the gospel to people who are dying, guys, and go in the wrong direction. Yes, Thank you, Lord. See, there was a person, true story here, there was a person that was on a boat dock, and they were walking down the boat dock, and they tripped, and they fell in the water, and they couldn't swim. They're drowning. They're, all, they're, all, they're coming up. They're like, help me, I'm drowning. There's panic setting in on their face. And uh, they were too far, their friends were too far to get to him. And so he, he'd bob up and come back up and go down in the water. And he was all, help, help me, I'm, I'm drowning, help me. But there was a guy sunbathing on the dock right next to him. And he just looked at him. And he was watching him as he was going up and coming down. He's all, help me, he's, he's panicking, I'm drowning. He goes down, he doesn't come back up. And so the family sues this sunbather for letting their loved one drown. And so it goes to the courts. And the courts ruled in favor of the sunbaver that he had no uh, legal um, position or no legal obligation to, to jump in and save the guy. But see, church, we have a spiritual obligation. We have a great commission from Jesus Christ. When we see people that's drowning in sin, drowning in addiction, drowning in pornography, drowning in the things of this world, to give them a lifeline and, and to point them in the right direction, saying, you're going the wrong direction. I know the right direction to go in. Stop going in the wrong direction. See, we have a spiritual responsibility to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do people primarily come to faith? It's through the preaching of the word. First Corinthians says this, says, For since in wisdom God, the world through the wisdom did not know God, but it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those. 
See, it's not the foolish preaching, guys, but it's the foolishness preaching. In other words, that God gives us verbal communication to share the message of Jesus Christ. He's given each and every one of us a voice to take the message of Jesus Christ to a lost and hurting world and, sh- and share with them that, hey, they don't have to go in the wrong way. They don't have to go in the wrong direction, that God's got a right direction for their life. See, Romans 10 and 14 says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them, praise the Lord? See, guys, we have the, we have the awesome privilege of taking the message of Jesus Christ and sharing it to a lost and dying world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who would ever believe in not perish but have everlasting life. We can take that simple message, guys, and it can, if we can just get it to one person. It could change their life and not only change his life, but a wife's life, a son's life, a daughter's life, the grandchild's life, the next generation, the second generation. It can change a whole generation of people's life if we can just get the message of Jesus Christ to one person. Because it's powerful. Just think of the message that Brother Billy Graham received one night, how his life has touched millions of people, and it was one word, one night spoken to one man. If we could just, in our faith, guys, take the gospel and share it to one person, no, no telling how many people it can affect. Because there's power in the message of Jesus Christ. My dad loved people. And uh, I don't think he, he would ever expected the uh, amount of people that showed up at his funeral. You know, because uh, he didn't think he, you know, he really touched a lot of people. But he loved to share the message of Jesus Christ. You know, he, he had an effect on people, and we have an effect on people, guys. When we can share the message, it goes out and it touches people's lives that you won't even realize sometimes, but you just sharing the hope and message of Jesus Christ of what it does, how it goes out. It's like when you spill water, it just spreads out. It's the message, guys. After hearing the message to get up and go, what did Jonah do? Verse 3, says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. See, guys, you can't escape the presence of the Lord. See, Adam and Eve, like Jonah, listened to the word of God, and they, uh, and, uh, and they were told how they should obey and how they should follow the Lord, but they disobeyed God, and they sinned. So what did they do after they sinned? In Genesis 3 and 8, it says Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Hid themselves. How dumb are we sometimes when we think we can hide from God? Then we can hide that he doesn't see where we're at. Jeremiah 23 and 24, God says, Can anyone hide himself in the secret places so that I, that I shall not see him? Do not I fill the heavens and the earth? And see, David in the Psalms wrote 139 and 7. He says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I send to the heavens, uh, uh, you are there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. There's no place, guys, you can run from the Lord. See, this verse is a comfort to us as believers because it's telling us, guys, that uh, it's reminding us that we're never alone where we're at. God's always there. And it's a reminder that Jonah, that God never lets his children out of his sight, praise the Lord. See, Jonah's running in the wrong direction. He found a ship to take him to to the place that he, he wanted to go that was away from God's direction for his life. And see, church, the enemy is skilled. See, because Satan will open up all the doors to help you, uh, help you in your disobedience to God. He'll open up all the doors. Because see, the enemy is skilled, guys, at, at manipulating situations and, and, and circumstances in your life. And he'll use every situation he can to get you to fall and to get you to, to go in the opposite direction of what God has for you. There'll always be that uh, unbeliever that's willing to get into a romantic relationship with you. 
There'll always be that good guy that wants to hear about your husband problems. There'll always be that ship that wants to take you in the opposite direction of where God wants you to go in your life. And then sometimes, guys, we'll roll these things around in our head and we'll try to convince ourselves that it's God opening up a door for us. When the whole time it's the enemy trying to set you up. That's why you got to get in God's word, guys. It's our guide when we're going through situations and circumstances like that in our life. One quote said, uh, you may find your ship and it may sail right on time. But if the in route is Tarsha, when God's called you to Nineveh, a storm is brewing. And sooner or later, you're going overboard. You're going overboard. Verse 3, it said he paid the fare, guys, and he went down in the ship. So you need, you need to know this, that sin is expensive. Anytime you run away from God, guys, you're always going to pay the fare. You're always going to pay the fare. And you're never going to get where you think you were going, guys, once you put your foot in that ship. See, because any step away from God is always a step down. It's always a step down. See, Jonah went down to Joppa. He went down in the ship. He went down in the sea. He went down in the belly of the fish, and then he went down into the deep. He went down. See, a life running from God, guys, it's always going down, 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 just like David found out when he, when he, when he saw Bathsheba and he lusted after her. That was the start of him going down. And then he went down a little further when, uh, when he had her come to the palace. And then he went down a little further when he slept with her and committed adultery. Then he went down a little further when he had her husband killed. And then he went down a little further when he tried to hide it. It was down, down, down. Until he came to a place of repentance, guys. And see, God will always have the last word. Jonah says in here 1-4, says, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, and that ship was about to be broken up. And then the, the mariners, or sailors you could say, were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and they threw the cargo that was on the ship into the sea, the light and the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship, and he had laid down and was fast asleep. See, verse 4 says, But the Lord, the Lord sent a great wind. The Lord sent this mighty storm to Jonah the prophet. And see, guys, we're all going to face storms in our life. We're all going to go through some storms. And there's two types of storms that you're going to go through as a Christian. And the first one, guys, it's a perfecting storm. It's a storm of trials and tribulations in your life. And it's, it's things that God uses, guys, to, to mold you and shape you into that person that he's calling you, that he's wanting you to be. You're going to go through some struggles and trials, just like Joseph was, was thrown into a pit, then he was thrown into, to, sold as a slave, and then he was uh, wrongly accused of committing adultery, and then he was uh, he put into prison. And God allowed all these things in his life because it was to mold him and to shape him in the man that God wanted him to be, that would, he would end up being the, the second highest in command of all the world at that time under Pharaoh. It was all for a point. And the second one, guys, is... There's a correcting storm, and this is what Jonah was going through. He brought it on himself from running from God, going in the opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. See, Hebrews 12, 6 says this, this whom the Lord loves, he chastens. In other words, he, he gives you a spanking from time to time. He'll take you out to the tool shed, and uh, he'll get your bottom. He'll try to get your attention, guys. See, God used that storm to get his attention. God didn't have to send the storm. He could have let him go off in his rebellion. He could have let him go do his thing. But God, because he loved him, he sent a storm to get him to go right in the right, you know, the right direction, not to keep going in the wrong direction. And so maybe today, you guys, you're in a, uh, a correcting storm. Maybe you found out that some things are just going crazy in your life, and you're just like, why, God? What's this? Why is this happening? Why is this, you know, what, what's going on in my life? And it's because you're in a correcting storm. You brought it on yourself. 
So the question is, are you going to learn from it? Are you going to learn from your mistakes and, and, and get things right and go in the right direction from God? And see, until you get things right in your life and get it corrected, that storm is just going to keep raging in your life. Verse 5 says this. It says, every man on the boat cried out to God. In other words, it was emergency religion. They were, they were all, people didn't even believe in God. We're, we're crying out to God. It's funny how when, when things are going good in, in a person's life that they don't need God. They don't cry out to God. But as soon as trials and troubles and tribulations happen, they're on their face. They're on their knees. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, touch me. Let me give you a secret, guys. If you don't want to keep going through the troubles and the trials and tribulations in your life, learn to talk to God on the mountaintop, and then the valley experience won't be so long in your life. See, because God desires fellowship. He desires communication with you and me, his child. And if the only time you're going to talk to God is when you're going through troubles and trials, buckle your seatbelt because you're going to have a long ride, praise the Lord. You've got to learn to talk to God on the mountaintop, just like you are when you're going through the valley storms, guys. And you'll find out those valleys will get a lot better because you're learning how to fellowship and communicate with God. Jonah 1 and 8. So then they said to him, please tell us, for who caused this trouble? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and what people are you? And then Jonah admits that he's a Hebrew. He's a Hebrew, and he fears the Lord and and the God of heaven who made the seas and the land. And so then these sailors, they were like, they were all fearful and stuff. And and, uh, and then they were like, you know, because I'm sure they heard about what kind of God he he served, that he was the great God Jehovah. He probably delivered them from, you know, how he delivered them out of the uh, Israelites or the uh, Egyptians and and, and drowned uh, the Egyptian army under the the sea, praise the Lord. And so they were probably wondering why that he, uh, he was running from them, you know. And that's exactly what Jonah was doing. He's running from them, guys. And there's nothing worse than a Christian, guys, that loses its testimony or loses their testimony. Jesus said if a salt has lost its saltiness, no longer is it good for anything. And see, have you ever had another non-believer call you out on your bad witness? Get a non-believer to call you out for, for not living, living the life you claim to live? There was this church, another true story, in Texas. Baptist church, and a, a guy came to town, he's building a bar. And so this church was like, they weren't having it. They're like, no. And so they get this campaign going against this bar. They start praying against this bar. And so the bar's getting close to being completion. Well, all of a sudden there's a lightning storm one night. It strikes the bar and it burns to the ground. And so the, the bar owner takes the church to court and sues them, says, it's your fault for praying against my, 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 church, or my, my bar. And so the, the judge, he gets the, the, uh, all the paperwork and everything, and he's looking at it, and he's all, I'm going to have a hard time, guys, uh, uh, deciding this case. He goes, because all of a sudden I got a, a bar owner that believes in the power of prayer, and I got a whole congregation who suddenly doesn't. <laughs> See, only thing worse than me being called a hypocrite, guys, is actually being a hypocrite. And see, Jonah was totally called out uh, for being a hypocrite. He admits that he's a, he's a Hebrew, uh, a follower, a uh, uh, prophet of God there. And uh, so he told him that he needs to be thrown overboard. And so uh, it didn't take very long to convince him, and so they throw him overboard. But then the Lord had a, a, a custom-designed watercraft to come pick him up. He had this big fish ready to come pick him up. And it says here in Jonah 1.7, it says, Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. 
See that word prepared, you guys? It means uh, ordained or called. And see, if you're running from God, God is prepared. He's got something ordained to bring you back in the direction that he wants you to go. I don't know what it's going to be, but you better be ready. God's got something to bring you back and get you in alignment where he wants you to be, praise the Lord. The worship team wants to come on back up this morning. It says Jonah's swallowed by this fish, and so he's praying in the belly of this fish. He's praying in this fish. Guys, you can pray anywhere. You can pray at home, in the shower, in the hot tub, standing up, sitting down, eyes open, eyes closed, wherever you're at. You can pray, praise the Lord. Some people think that you need to pray. If you pray in church, your, your, your words would be louder. God can hear them better, and that's not so because Daniel prayed in the lion's den. David prayed in the field. Peter prayed on the water, in the water. The thing is, guys, it doesn't matter where you pray. Just pray, pray, pray. And that's exactly what Jonah did. Jonah prayed. Ephesians 6 and 18 says, uh, pray all times, on every occasion, in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 7 it says, when he had lost all hope, this is Jonah praying, it says, when I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord, and my earnest prayers went out in your holy temple. See, Jonah didn't ask for deliverance, but what he did, he just started giving thanks and praise to God. In verse 9 he says this, he says, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my vows for my salvation, praise the Lord, comes from the Lord. And so you might be here today, guys, you might think that you can't praise the Lord, that things are too tough right now, that you're just going through it, that you don't have the strength to praise the Lord. But see, the Bible doesn't say give, give thanks to the Lord when you feel like it. It says give thanks to the Lord because he is good, praise God. See, you got to learn to praise God in the good times and in the bad times. you got to learn to lift your hands. you got to learn to worship God because when you learn the power of praise, God will come in and he will break the battle in your behalf. You learn to raise your hands, lift your voice, whether you're on key, off key, whether you sound good or you don't sound good, but learn to give God praise in your life, and you'll see the chains begin to fall off in your life, just like Paul and Silas. They'll begin to fall, guys. But you've got to learn to praise God, whether you feel like it or not. My dad used to say, if you don't feel like it, shout on credit, praise God, because God owns it all. You've got to praise the Lord. Give him praise. See, and here God, God has got a second chances right here. In Jonah 2, it says, So the Lord spoke to the fish, and he vomited John, Jonah up on dry land. So I'm sure Jonah was glad that he came out the front end and not the back end, praise the Lord. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach it. Preach the message that I tell you. So Jonah, he was uh, repented, and he was regurgitated, he was believing, and he was barfed. He was righteous, and he was ralphed, and he was bleached, and he was beached. So he was, he was ready to go do what the Lord had him to do. Right. Jonah ends up back in that place where God wanted him to be in the first place, guys. And where do you need to get back to where God wants you to be, guys? You need to, to get back where you were. Revelations right here, 2 and 5 says this. It says, remember where you have fallen and repent and do the works you did at first. Remember, repent, guys, and, uh, and repeat. Remember where God has brought you from, where you've fallen, and get back to that place. Repent and get it right. Turn from that direction that you were going in and turn back to the direction that God wants for your life. God wants to use all of us, you guys. He wants to use you and me to touch people. And he, he can't use you if you're going in the wrong direction. So maybe today, guys, you're, you've been heading that wrong direction. Maybe God's asked you to do something. He's put a call on your life. Something's burning in your, in your life. You can't get away from it, but yet you're going in the wrong direction. God's wanting you to, to turn around and come back. 
Maybe, maybe you've been coming to church faithfully, but you're still not doing what God is asking you to do. You're sitting on the, uh, on, on the direction or on the road, I guess, to, to go in the direction that God wants for your life, but you're just sitting there. You're still running from the call of God. God wants to touch you today. He wants to, to get you in the right direction because he wants to use your life, guys, to touch somebody, to share the message of Jesus Christ, the hope that you have in you. And so if that's you this morning, guys, I want to pray with you. God's not done with you. He's got a plan for your life. What your past looked like, where you've been, God wants to use you. He's got a purpose for your life, and it's going to touch other people's lives. You don't know the impact you can have on people around you. You can reach people that I can never reach because I'm not in your circle of influence, but you can reach your family. You can reach your loved ones. So if you need prayer this morning, whether it's for your family, whether it's for your marriage, your children, praise the Lord. I want to pray with you this morning. I have the prayer team come up. If you're sick in body, we believe, we're a church that believes in prayer, guys. Prayer will change things in your life. But you have to be willing. You have to be willing to go in the right direction, guys. If you're needing help, take the step this way. Let's pray with you this morning. I love you. God bless you.